la 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 They say the big smokes where the money's at and this isn't a relapse when I say We're live. Mike with Mike. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was better. You were better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. And, uh, I literally looked down and I was like, oh no, the record button hasn't started. <laughs> I'm gonna break this to him, man. He's mid this bit monologue here and he's firing away. I think I preempted this as well. There's yeah. a risk of this. Yeah, anyway, it's the question I had for you, mate. You commented on my Instagram post this morning on my drive down here to Brisbane to meet with you. Got uh, got smoked in the bedroom last night. <laughs> Not in a good way. <laughs> Sounds lovely. <laughs> um, but obviously Lila, Lila's in bed with mum and dad at the moment. She's two and a half. So yeah. last night was just a tricky, tricky night. Doesn't normally get up. It was up throughout the night and running around. And you said, I'll give you some tips in the podcast today. So yes, I did. I, I was doing my own research on you, mate. You know, <laughs> I was. Uh, I thought I got to be prepared. I know that Mike's a very prepared guy. So I got on your own. Instagram and started looking at some stuff and seeing, uh, you know, congratulations by the way to the podcast. But I saw your story this morning. I thought I can I can help there. Um, that's a challenge for most people. So the the answer is, in a nutshell, is uh, with with our kids anyway. It doesn't mean it's right, but what we do with our kids is the golden rule is is that we go to them and they don't come to us. Yeah. So our rule was if we co-slept while the kids were breastfeeding. Okay. And the moment they stopped breastfeeding was the introduction of. You get a, you've got a room and you've got a bed and you've got a place where you go and, and rest. Yeah. And we all have one, and that's that's where you go. And so our rule is, we yeah, we go to them, but they never come to us. If they come to us, we pick them up, and we take them back, and we put them in their own bed until we start to establish this this routine for that. And the reason why that's really important is, you know, I I often in speaking with other parents, in particular men. I find that as much as they love and adore and their kids are their world, yeah. there's always this like tinge of resentment of what it did to my relationship, you yeah. know? And the relationship came before the kids. So in our mind, we always we always have this place that we want to go back to. You know, it's like grass is greener. You know, before kids we had, yeah. whether we had sex a certain amount of times or we had this more intimate relationship or we used to talk and they didn't have time for me or energy or whatever it is. Most of the time what you've done is you just haven't reserved the space in your life to revisit that. So. Yeah. We bedtime very strict in our house is seven o'clock, and I I, uh, I saw you uh, lie that was goes to bed at nine thirty. Yeah, yeah, it even makes sense now because I'm like it's out of convenience to fit our life. Correct. So you so you fit in there on that. Yeah. So for me, I go well. There's four areas of your life that are right. There's yeah. Mike, as in Mike, and there was a Mike before Caitlin. Yeah. Then there's a Mike and Caitlin. Yeah. Now there's a Mike. Caitlin and Lila. Yeah. And so they're actually three different segmented sections. Yeah. I think you need time for all of them, right? So for us, when the kids go to bed at seven, all of them go to bed at seven. Five-year-old, yeah. seven. Two-year-old, seven. One-year-old, seven. Yeah. yeah. And that gives three hours of time before we go to bed for ourselves or for our relationship, whatever it is. It's really important. And we, we're just big on explaining to our kids, mum and dad need time for mum and dad. Yeah. And that uh, everybody has their own room, including mum and dad, and that's for us. And so it's just, it's, it's this fight between delay gratification, which is for me the, the greatest success principle in business and parenting and health and in, in finance, it's delay gratification. So in the middle of the night when all the wakes up screaming and yelling and all, all comes in, <laughs> yeah. or you're half asleep and all you think is I want you back to sleep. So the fastest way to do that as a parent is what? Pull them in your bed. You just put them in your bed. And yeah. it's amazing. It's like this instant, like they just go to sleep when they're in bed with you, right? Yeah, yeah. in the middle of the night in particular. Um, and they just go to sleep. That, that instant gratification, though, is, is going to cost you something down the line. And down the line, there will be this period, as you mentioned, when Lila won't want to come to mum and dad and, and whatnot. Yeah. But what that's going to mean is you're going to be left with just you and Caitlin. And what you and Caitlin looks like is going to be built upon the foundation that you guys have set now. Now, in 15 years, that's only going to be full of resentment because the relationship deteriorated because you didn't make time for it. Yeah. And the excuse will be if we were parents, but what you're actually saying is you can't be a couple and be a parent. And the greatest thing you can have to do for your kids is teach them how to win in those segments of their life, right? Yeah. So making it really, really, really clear to, to them throughout that period. So it's it's the lag gratification of basically the conversation in your own head is uh, I need to win the fight between how I feel now, which is tired, stressed, whatever, and what I want next, yeah. which is I want a fantastic relationship with my partner so I can model that for my kids in particular, yeah. right? So um, rules, yeah, we, we, we go to them and they go to the bed. But there's another rule on that, which is, because um, you, you said in your story, you said, yeah, you're talking about one day they're not going to want to hug and cuddle and love. Yeah, well, we had one of that convo, like, and she would have been, it was it was at that point where you mentioned, like, you know, the, at the very start, feeding and co yeah. bit of co-sleeping when they first come home and all that, yeah. and got to the point where, you know, we'd, we'd moved to bottles a lot and, and came yeah. and stopped, stopped breastfeeding, and she's like, oh, we should really put her in our own bed. 
and I was and I was like, yeah, but I really like the cuddles. <laughs> I really like the morning laying there with yeah. with with, uh, with her and, and and that sort of stuff, and that's yeah. going to be there forever. Um, whether that was, and I don't think that was a response to me. I'm like, I'm not willing to do the work to put her in her own bed. I was yeah. just like, I really like that. Sure, but probably didn't think about, oh, what does it, what does it cost? What's what's yeah. it because everything has, has a cost, obviously. Sure. Um, so here's what I found though. Yeah. When they lay in bed with you, yeah, they're they're rarely with you as much as they are just around you. Yeah. They fall asleep around you, yeah. not with you. What I mean by that is, Lila might be falling asleep in the middle of you and Caitlin. Yeah. But Caitlin's on her phone and you're watching TV. Yeah. Or or Caitlin's doing this and, and you're reading a book or, or yeah. whatever it is. And Lila's around you, but it's not as intentional as most people make out in their head. Yeah. So. The way that you replace that is if, if they're in, in their bed and you go to them is it's one hundred percent focused on bedtime with them. Yeah. Right. So giving and they're all different. So Fox yeah. likes to read books, but neither like sleep meditation. Yeah. So for us, our rule is no phones, no mobiles yeah. in in kids' rooms. Yeah. So when you go into the into one of our kids' rooms, you're in there for the purpose of being in there with them, right? Yeah. So we will lay down with the kids if that's what they want. Yeah. And we'll be really focused and conscious on them. But the rule of thumb is you can't take a mobile into the room, right? Because yep. when I say this, okay, yeah, no, I'll do that. But people are they're laying next to their kid on Instagram yeah. or whatever it, it is, is, right? Just so just okay, yeah. so I'm there for my child to be around me. I'm not really with you, but I'm here. I'm yep. doing my job to provide comfort so they can fall asleep. Yeah. So I'm like, it goes back to this: time is not equal. No. Right. So if you can have real intentional time, it's going to dramatically outweigh. Um, the volume of time that you spend with them anyway. And then and then you can just segment things out so you can be successful in those other areas. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you ask any any couple, you, you say, um, has your sex life changed between before kids, after kids? 99% of the time we're going yes. Yeah, correct. And you go, why? Yeah. Well, we don't have time with, you know, kids here, kids there, whatever. So they, now they label the child as the excuse as to why a relationship deteriorates. Yeah. Or you just correct the routines, which are difficult. So this sounds easy, yeah. but it takes like a heavy hand at the start in terms of, not as in a physical heavy hand, but in terms of the teamwork <laughs> of the relationship yeah. to say, this is how we're going to live with our house, these are the rules that we're going to follow, and I need you to stick to it, and I'm going to stick to it, and if I get weak, I need you to support me, and when you get weak, I'm going to support you. But the the reason why we're doing this, and selling yourself the reason why we're doing this is there is going to be a life after the kids being here, and that life is going to be you and me, and we need to take care of that today because we're not going to be able to fix it later. Yeah. Hey, legends. That is part one of my catch-up with Dan. Unfortunately, some technical issues. We didn't actually capture the podcast, so the audio that you were hearing was from a camera set up in the room during episode one, which explains the quality. Thankfully, Dan let me catch back up with him three weeks later, which worked out really well because I could let him know where we were at with getting Lila into our own bed. Here we are. We're live. Episode one. 2.2. <laughs> Part 2. So, thanks for your time again, mate. Thanks for your time. No worries. Uh, I might even start just give a bit of an update. Obviously, for listeners out there, we're going we're gonna to staple. Um, we've just listened to Part 1, which was the advice you gave me about three weeks ago about giving, the, uh, I guess, the attitude towards having little ones in your bed versus strict guidelines around sleeping. Mm. So, we've, uh, we're on the path. We're two weeks in. Okay, we've had to get a baby gate. Um, we got a magical light that it's apparently going to make her sleep better. Um, <laughs> but she's going to bed at 7.30 uh, consistently. No TV after six, or no TV, sorry, after dinner. Mm-hmm. So once dinner starts cooking, TV goes off and it's going well. We're getting there. So I think about, well, I think the record so far, we got it down to about 25 minutes one night. So Awesome. There and, we are. Wh- and what's the result for you and Caitlin? You know, you've been working on some projects together? Or yeah, we've, we've had a bit of stuff. Obviously, she... Uh, she jumped on the podcast with me actually yesterday and then we um, a couple of bits we missed, we actually jumped and had time to do it last night at a suitable hour. So yeah. we've got that extra time of an evening and I've got obviously a few different side projects I'm working on and get to spend some couple time together, which is which is good. Nice. And uh, we, we, we actually take it in turns. So we do we night for night of who puts her down uh, and also that person's got to get up throughout the night mm. if she wakes up as well. So we normally get to wake up at about 11 yep. and then at about 3 as well, she'll wake up again. So. Yep. That's good. We have this rule around who has what child. Yeah. So we've got three kids, obviously. So um, Megan always has the baby. You yeah. Know, the baby, you know, needs mum, and especially if it's reliant on mum for food and, and whatnot. So I have the other two. So the roles change every time you have another child, sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's funny because sometimes you think you've 
you've lucked out. You've got the older <laughs> one. And it can reverse very quickly when you're uh, when you're a parent. So it's yeah, yeah, you just you kind of look for the easy job, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. So um, well, it's it's funny because I um I really enjoy cooking. I'm in the kitchen a lot. So Caitlin's like just we've always had a rule which cook doesn't clean. So which also means that obviously I'm on on bath time because Lila knows her routine. Like she finishes dinner, she's bath. So mm. I do bath while. Uh, Caitlin Clean. So, yeah. um, if we ever get a cheeky takeout, I'm like, is it your turn to bath? <laughs> <laughs> I love bath time. I do bath time. I do bedtime. I, I really enjoy that time with the kids. There's a, there's a. We're just talking to another parent the other day who's, who's asking for some advice, and we're talking about um, categorizing the activities you do at different time slots during the day. Like you've got your morning, you've got your midday, and you've got your afternoon and your evening, and yep. actually having a uh, a whiteboard, for example, in your house which puts all the activities that your kids like to do, but it categorizes them when they should be done. And, and it's kind of this awareness tool for the child as to what hypes them up and what calms them down and what's relevant at a different part. And that's, you know, the stuff we spoke about last time, that's another degree you can go to so that Lila knows, you said no TV, for example, up to six. Yep. Well, you know, well, sometimes there's, there's certain activities you, you double down on in the morning and you really refrain from the afternoon. They can choose an activity from a, a category in the day. Yeah. And, and you just... All you're, doing, all you're doing is you're trying to stack the odds in your favour Yeah. for an easy bedtime. And, and, and I spoke about why that's important last time for your relationship. So get better at it and you, you design it for your own family. But you Yeah, know. even like um, we try and obviously limit limit TV, but I know at the moment it's probably really hard for a lot of parents out there given that we're stuck. You know, a lot of parents have got their kids at home all day long, every day. And yep. um, restrictions have just been like eased a little bit so we can get out outdoors and we're making a conscious effort to get down to the beach a little bit more given that we're on the sunny coast. But even as something as simple as like, if if the TV's on in the afternoon, one, what is what is what is she watching? Yeah. And two, like turning the brightness right down because mm. there's a uh, there's a cartoon by ABC, uh, which is called I think it's called Coco Melon, and it's like it's literally like crack cocaine. It just sends <laughs> her crazy. <laughs> like she's running That's around the house screaming. Yeah. This 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 little show. So, so I, I think you know we we don't have it. We haven't had a TV for. Uh, what is it now? It would be six months now. Okay. No, no TV in the house. No so, TV in the house. So Fox, Fox, who's who's uh, almost three, he's three in June. He picked up his soccer ball and threw it at the TV. We only have one TV. It's a rule of ours: no TVs in bedrooms. Yeah. Um, including ours. Ours is the love nest, not the movie nest. Yeah. So we are uh, no TV in there ever. So we have one TV, and he's picked up his soccer ball and he's thrown it into the TV, broke the TV screen. <laughs> so we just decided we just won't get another TV. We didn't know how long it would last. Yeah. Uh, so six months all through the, the coronavirus shutdowns, we've had no TV for the uh, for, for us or for the kids. So we have laptops and we have other other things if we need yeah. to. But uh, mate, we've found a way. So you've got like the uh, you've got like the formal sitting room in your house now, which was once a lounge room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah before TVs. Before TVs existed. <laughs> Some people just think this guy's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is he? No TV. What yeah. about the footy? Yeah. Well, you know what? If the footy season was on, I reckon we'd have a TV by now. Yeah. But because the footy season was cancelled. I was like, ah, oh, we don't need it. There you go. We if don't. anyone works at Retrovision, <laughs> yeah, or JB Hi-Fi, May 28th. <laughs> yeah, as soon as the, the footy starts, I'll, I'll change that. So okay. better release this podcast quickly. So, um, <laughs> But also yourself, mate, you've had obviously a lot going on in the last three weeks. Yep. Um, and in the last three days, even more so. Yes. Yes. If anyone sees the footage of this, you'll see I've got some crutches next to me. <laughs> and uh, actually after this podcast uh, recording, I'm off to the doctors to uh, find out the extent of uh, some damage. So I had a fall. Uh, I was chasing toads with my <laughs> kids around my backyard, uh, yeah, three days ago, and I, uh, I had a slip, fell into my pool, actually, I had a slip into my pool, and uh, yeah, it looks like I may, uh, I may have ruptured my ACL and done some other damage in my leg, so. And it's not um, not the first time for you, mate, you've done... Yeah, this will be the third, third time. If this, yeah, if, if that's what it is, it'll be my third knee, knee reconstruction. Ouch. Yeah, not Ouch. fun. Oh, well. well, we'll get there, mate. Yeah, you, um, the, the post you put out actually was really, really good because you're talking about like a mistake lots of people make and, and we've all made them. Four, but, you know, usually one thing doesn't go your way. People have a tendency to lead that to two and three. We compound our errors or we continue to make mistakes, you know, like you sleep in, so therefore you don't do your normal routine or you don't go to the gym, which also leads you to being late for work, which makes you miss that appointment, which makes you miss that, you know, and things compound yeah. and before, yeah. we, before you know it, you're, you're living in chaos, so... Anything have you, have you done personally that has maybe tried to prevent that? Like I know obviously you, you spent some time remapping out whatever it was on that sketch pad about your post, but... Yeah, I just, I got quickly into work and what I can control and yep. creating different things. Um, but you're right, and listen, I think culturally, 
uh, we've decided that bad things come in threes. You know, it's a sa- it's a regular <laughs> saying all around the world. You know, yep. bad things come in threes. Somebody kicks their toe and they says, "What next? What next?" And I think whenever you're waiting for what's next, you'll find a way to create it. So for me, I, I instead I just got to reverse that psychology a little bit so it doesn't become self fulfilling. So I if I'm feeling negative, and I'm not saying that I don't get negative and I don't have setbacks. What I'm actually saying is this is a setback, but let's let it be one setback and isolate it to the category of my life that it lives in. So this was a physical setback, um, but it wasn't business, it wasn't financial, and it wasn't physical, and uh, sorry, it wasn't mental, and it wasn't relationship, and it wasn't with my kids, and it wasn't, none of those things um, were affected unless I make them get affected. And yep. so I, I really want to isolate it to its point. And I spoke in that post about um, my goal is to create a net gain, which is to protect my attitude. So I do this very quickly. So if I have a, a, a setback, I, I want to really hustle and work hard to finding uh, neutral ground. Yeah. And, and then a net gain for myself. So I start to focus on, I've got a net gain out of this as opposed to I've got a, a net loss out of this. So I hurt my knee. Um, I very quickly went, what's the category of my life I could very quickly go and improve in? Um, and I go and I work hard in that. And then what's a second category or a second thing that I could achieve, which now takes me to two up, one down, which means I'm one one up in a, in a game, basically. Yep. I, I yep. try and look at it as a game. So um, yeah, I started, I started getting... Uh, more aggressive on some other projects that this would only allow me to to dive deeper into yep. when this happened yeah and you, you mentioned that like people people do that because that saying is you know bad things happen in threes has been passed around forever i feel like it's an institution like everyone knows yep. it. you say that everyone kind of can finish that sentence for you do, you do you believe in that that concept of self manifestation like people uh, talking things into belief like i i think it's the starting point of manifestation yeah people so i could ask once if i if i believe in the law of attraction and the answer is yes and no. I don't, I don't believe that you attract things to you. I think that you move towards things and when you move towards things, things move towards you. And yep. I always use the analogy of it's like kissing somebody for the first time. You go 90, they come 10. You know, if you go 100%, you're a creep. <laughs> and if you only go 10%, they're not sure. So then yep. it, the, the other person's not going to come the other 90%. So you've got to make a move. And if, if you make a move towards things, things will find their way to make a move towards you. So, you know, manifestation is thoughts become feelings, feelings become actions, and actions become results. But I think before thoughts is talk. You know, what we, what we think about what we talk about, and that could be self-talk, talking with others, it could be gossip, it could be good things, bad things, but it's, it's talk, uh, and talk creates thoughts, which creates feelings, actions, results. So I do believe in um, yeah, th- those, these conversations we have being the starting point of manifestation. Yeah, yeah but manifestation is different to attraction. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then with um, I think like I think we uh we actually didn't get it last time, but for yourself, uh, your background, mate, like tell us a bit about, I guess, young Dan growing up. Broad question. Broad big question. question. Yeah, mate, young Dan growing up is uh, listen, uh, I aspirations to be a serial entrepreneur. Yes, no, no, no. Listen, very young, I didn't I didn't know what good and bad and rich and poor was. Do you yeah. mean I was it like any other young kid? I, I grew up in a uh, originally a very religious family. My dad was a pastor. Um, and as I come to learn, as I got older, my dad was actually taking advantage of the church. He was quite a, a, a bad man, a very smart man, but used those things um, for, for his own self-gain and, and not to serve other people. Um, was very pursuant of money and being successful, and when he didn't, um, when those things didn't come to fruition, he was a gambler, for example, got himself in lots of trouble, so he moved a lot, yeah. and when he uh, wasn't succeeding, those other areas would become very violent, so quite a violent home, um, towards, uh, in particular towards my mum, but towards myself and, and my brother as yep. well. Um, and at eight years old, I woke up to the police. My, you know, it was a pretty horrendous night. I'll save the details for a further conversation, but, you know, tough night that night for, for all of us, but my mum in particular woke up to the police and a, uh, and a car which was packed um, and it was basically, now's your chance to get out left moved to queensland uh lived in the basement of my uncle's house for for the first uh year yeah year or so um while we were on the waiting list for for public housing once again still didn't know what our real situation was was, was still a happy kid felt very loved yeah uh and um and, and active and and um got a house and uh you know i love telling the story people say what do you want to be when you grow up and i, I say i wanted to be rich because as I matured and I started to understand what our actual situation was, um, I started to believe that money was the answer to all of those problems. So the story behind why did Dan decide to be successful was I'm 13 years old, the phone rings at my house. I answer the phone and the phone is a a familiar voice. It's a lady 
um, that my mum does the ironing for. So yeah. my mum at that point in time, we live in, in this public housing house and my mum doesn't have a, a job, so yeah. she's an ironing lady. Baskets of washing get dumped on our house, that someone bangs on the door, by the time my mum's gone to the door, the person's gone and the washing remains. So there's no interaction, there's no conversations, no relationships, and my mum would sit in front of the TV and iron baskets of, of clothes all day long. And my mum, the year that I was 13, I, I, I you know, I know, um, I know my mum had $8,000 that year. So yeah. we had three kids, we made $8,000. And what happens is this lady calls and she says, can I speak to your mum? And I put my mum on the phone, I sit next to my mum on the couch and my mum's ironing these clothes and uh, she stops ironing and she starts to get quite excited. And I can hear the conversation with the ladies offering my mum a job. Yeah. And it's for an extra $50 a week and it's a babysitting job. It's to take care of this wealthy family's kids one night per week so that they can go out and they can have a social life. And mum's very grateful. Thank you so much for offering. That's amazing. Yes, I can take the job. When would you like me to start? And the lady says, we need you to start tonight. And my mum says, no problem. I can definitely start tonight. Thank you so much once again. I've only got one request. Um, my daughter is sick. She's in bed. You know, can you bring your kids to our house? I'm not going to be able to come to your house. Yeah. And the lady's quiet on the end of the phone before she comes back and she says, listen, you know, no, that we can't do that. You, you need to come to our house, take care of... Um, our kids or wait, I can't give you the job and my yeah. mum begs this woman on the end of the phone she's begging this lady you know to just be this one time you know I can come to your house every other time please you know I, I really need this job $50 was a lot of money for us it was the difference between getting our food from Lifeline and being able to go and buy yeah. the groceries right and um, uh, the lady says listen uh, Petrina I don't want to put my kids in that environment and she hangs up the phone and my mum bursts into tears I'm sitting yeah. next to my mum bursts into tears like hysterically you know ugly crying we call it and um, I'm trying to console my mum, what's wrong, what's wrong? And eventually she turns to me and she goes on and gives me this 15 minute rant on why I need to be successful. You know, when the lady said that environment, what she meant was that part of town yeah. in that type of house with these types of people. You know, we had a concrete floor at the time. Um, we're surrounded, we're in, a, we're in a housing commission block, right? So there's, we're surrounded by low socioeconomic people, high crime, high violence, all these things. And, um, and so she proceeds to tell me in just this like verbal diarrhea like just throws it all on me that money was the answer to all of her problems i'd yeah. still be with your father if we had money uh, my brother who is in jail and will be in jail probably for the rest of his life is um you know your, your brother wouldn't have done those th you know these things if we had money and you and your sister wouldn't have to you know you know walk to school if we had money and and and, and this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't happen and this wouldn't happen and you promised me that you're going to go and be successful and so my mum literally puts this thing in my head that i have to be rich and that and that money would have solved a lot of the problems that we experience and and that would help me and so when people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? From 13 years old, literally sitting on the couch that day, I just decided I was going to be rich. Yeah. I didn't know what the strategy was. Uh, I just knew that at that moment in time with my mum crying in front of me that I wanted to stop that pain. Yeah. And that if she told me that money would do that, I was going to find a way to make money. And you spoke f about footy a little bit in our last conversation. The following year, um, I moved schools. I used to play basketball but all the kids at the school play rugby league. And they said, hey, we don't play basketball here. You know, if you want to hang with us, come join the football team. So I went and I played a game of football. And there was a scout from uh, one of the clubs at the, uh, at the game. I played one game of rugby league uh, as, a, as a teen. I played when I was little, but as a teen, played one game. Three weeks later, I was flown to Sydney. Yeah. Um, and probably about, f I don't know, maybe five or six weeks after that, I signed my first contract. And, and everyone says, you know, why did you sign the contract? Like, what made you want to sign the contract? Well, the contract was for $8,000. I was 14 years old. Yeah. And the contract that I got offered was the exact equivalent of my mum's annual salary. And I remember thinking to myself, if I can get $8,000 for playing one game of football and I'm 14, my mum's like 40, man. Like, what am I going to be able to make by then? <laughs> <laughs> and so in my head, there was this literally this internal conversation around, well, football will make me rich. So yeah. I'll, I'll go do that. Because people, I think I said this last time, people said, you miss football. I'm like, well, not like you think I do. Football was a strategy for me to take away pain in my family. It wasn't, football wasn't a desire. Football was, you know, I learned to love it and enjoy it as I got good at it. And yeah. I think I loved the accolades and the celebration that came with it. Yeah. And, and the increase in my, maybe my reputation locally and my friends. I, did I, I don't know if I necessarily loved it the way people maybe assumed I did. I, I, I think it was an outcome I was chasing. Yeah. And so when I lost that, I went into business because it was just the next strategy. It was, I just need to find a way to be rich. Yeah. You know, and, and that's come full circle now because, you know, my real story beyond that is that was what we call, uh, I'd like to call an external desire, like make money, external desire. Yeah. And 
you know, you know my story pretty well now that in 2017, 15 years prior to that conversation, I feel like I ticked off that external desire. My income was at an all-time high. My business was, you know, hundreds of staff. Um, I had sold some businesses. I'd, I'd done a bunch of things. And I suppose the outside looking in the scoreboard said from anybody's, you know, um, assessment that I that I had ticked off that goal. You know, yeah. that I'd bought the house and I'd done the things and Dan's well done, he's rich sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but I also had never felt broker in my life. And I just had this conversation the other day, which was 2017, 2018 was the realization for me that I had memory, I had, sorry, money without any memories. And I had people wanting to be me, but the people I loved not wanting to be with me. Yeah. And uh, that was for me the height of my career and the low point of my life. This thing that I pursued all this time, when I got it, I realized that it was an external desire, not an internal desire, which meant it didn't give me any fulfillment. Yeah. And it was a very, that, that, that's like this full circle realization that everything you thought you wanted isn't actually what you wanted. And yeah. then you go journey number two. And I think everybody has two journeys. I think, yeah. you, I think everybody chases the first journey, external, what everybody told me I should be pursuing. Yeah. And then the second one, which is the real honest, uh, what you want for yourself, which we often, we, we don't know how to listen to until we realized that the external desire doesn't give us what we thought it was going to give us. And then we start to learn to go internal and go, what do I really want? Yeah. 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 And, so and I always talk about like something that I've, I've learned myself and even probably some of the reasons for starting the podcast is exposure to different people and concepts and ideas have really helped me mature and change. And, and that's probably a big one. I always forget for me, it's about people defining what success is for you and mm. that can't be influenced by outside people and what they want for yourself. You know, um, what you believe society thinks you need. And I think that's what you're probably touching on the, the external evidence or proof or the scoreboard of being successful is something that we think society growing up you know, have that car or that big house or live in that place yep. and, you know, that company is so big with so many people and making so much money is the goal. Do you think people can get to the, the second journey before ticking off that first one or you think it's just a process we have to go through? They can. Yeah. 99% won't yeah. uh, because of the, you know, we touched on this in our last conversation, people have an inability to learn. You know, we, we feel the need to earn. We just... We overestimate ourselves in the areas that we shouldn't overestimate ourselves and we underestimate ourselves massively in the areas that we shouldn't as well. Yeah. You know, we, it, we, we've got it all wrong, but that's a, I think that's also a part of the journey. I mean, maybe the reason why we have an inability to take the wisdom of others yeah. is because we need the journey. You know, I th every journey needs a hero and it needs a villain and it needs a moment in time where you feel like you're not going to, you know, they're not going to save the world. We know they eventually do, but... You need these highs and lows and darks and lights in in your story. That's that's life, right? Is that uh, saying this is life is suffering? Well, maybe that's what life really is. You know, it's overcome the challenge, overcome the challenge, overcome the challenge. And I think every solution brings about a new problem. You know, my my solution um, was was money. Well, yeah. well, that brought me a new problem, which was managing family and myself and, and the balance of all of those things and, and chasing happiness beyond wealth and, and success beyond the boardroom. It was a brand new problem to go and solve. Yeah. And I think, let's just imagine a life with no problems. I don't, what would you do? <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know what you would do. Do you know what I mean? So, but once again, it's a redefine. Yeah. It's, it's redefining. There's a, there's a movie, um, oh, I think it's called like Pleasantville. Caitlin introduced me to it. And it's like, it's a world without color. And they finally get color. And it's similar to that. Like everything's just plain. Everything goes well. Like there's no, and then all yeah. of a sudden someone brings color into it. And they're like, what is this thing? And it, throws people all out i think it's called pleasantville yeah right yeah where everything's like everything's happy everything's okay um and maybe it's like no one can lie or something like that yeah and then one person figures out how to lie like and it oh. just blows it, blows it all up but it's, it's um it's funny because it's normally the challenges it's the uh you know that make the movie right it's not everything happy in the end yeah and i've got a mentor of mine who who you, who you know josh who's who's always said you know it's another chapter in the book like yeah. hey if you want a bestseller and uh, not that yet Everyone has to go and write a book, right? But if you're writing the book of your own life, it if it's vanilla, no one's reading it, right? So it's you, you, there has to be these these things. So stop wishing them away and instead start to work out how they're serving you and how they're growing. And you know, once again, ask yourself, what would life be like without these things? Geez, it would be pretty boring. So start to embrace them. Yeah, cool. And then challenges at the moment, obviously with with Corona, I think the climate's changed a whole lot since we spoke three weeks ago. Yeah, it's probably a lot more optimism out there. Yeah, but definitely probably some big challenges ahead for business as well because. There's probably been a lot of money that's owed that's been put on hold for people and yep. economic situations aren't going to be back to what they were maybe ever. 
you know, with consumer behavior. Yep. Um, but personally for yourself, has it affected you in a big way? Definitely. Like it's affected all of our businesses. You know, I'd say we're, oh, between the different businesses, we're maybe at 12 to 14% revenue of, of where we're at, you know, weeks ago. Um, I think the can's definitely been kicked down the road and I think there's a naivety towards that. I think for businesses, but also just for general consumers as well, where there's actually too much optimism because we, we've done an incredible job of, of flattening the health curve, but I think the economic curve is, it's not even started yet because of the stimulus and, and all the things that the government's done. Uh, it's not, you know, people, I get frustrated when people say, oh, there's free money. Just, you know, it's not free. You know, like <laughs> eventually someone somewhere pays for this, whether it be through taxes or whether through through challenges and interest rates and all these other things that have to happen. So the government is like any other, you know, think of the government like a business, you know, it's got to find a way to get its money back, right? So, um, I think there's a challenge maybe five or six months down the road when stimulus stops, yep. when banks say, hey, we did our part, we, we gave you six months mortgage-free, for example, um, but, you know, the, the help has stopped yep. because we needed to protect ourselves also. And uh, and I think there's another way of pain coming. So I, I think that that's going to be a delayed response. There'll be a lag for that. It's affected me. It, it's not affected my activity. I think the big thing I've, I've shared with most people is um, maintain your rhythm. Um, don't focus on revenue. You know, revenue... Yep coronavirus or not revenue is going to go up and down throughout your lifetime you really got to learn how to focus on on the rhythm of you as an entrepreneur because you're right there's a lot of optimism now back in the market and things are probably going to we're going to get back trading in some capacity in the, in the next few weeks some people aren't going to be ready mentally physically they've just lost all of their rhythm as, as a person right so it's like a, a car if you sit at dormant you don't turn it on you don't start it the battery dies well the other parts of the chart the, the car start to rust out there's no fluid moving through the engine parts right so i think for us as people are the same you know hibernation um i think people took too literal a, yeah. as individuals they went i'm hibernating i'm doing nothing <laughs> i'm watching netflix and, and eating ice cream so yeah. I, I'm, I'm worried about that i'm worried about the capacity of people when they return uh, I think there's a huge opportunity for the people who've kept their rhythm, yeah. um, but there's there's going to be some loss. Even though things have returned, there'll be some loss yet to be realised. And I think the other thing for, for people is they're like, well, how do you maintain your rhythm? Like, well, where do you actually put your energy and your time? And you know, I think my time's gone from instead of working, as in work, as in task-based things, getting through the day, it's gone to seeking. So I'm still getting up and 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 giving myself a to-do list but that to-do list isn't task focused it's project based or it's seeking based like what are the opportunities what can i learn what can i improve what's available how do i keep my eyes up and, and just stay in the motion of I've, I've got stuff to do yeah so i define success in in this period as um how good your heartbeat you yeah. know did, did you flatline uh, or did you keep your heart your heartbeat your rhythm going yeah. and how many projects did you tick off of that list of things that every business owner in the world has, the list of things that is one day I'll get to, like, geez, it would be nice to do or what, but we just don't have time, we can't allocate resources. Well, you, you had the opportunity to do it now yeah. and you'll probably never get it back. You'll probably never get this job, this chance back. Yeah, it's you weird, know? right? You, you never think, you go back through history and you go, where well, everyone just got told it's okay to do nothing. They got paid, <laughs> a lot of people got paid to do it, right? I'm like, oh, I think this will stop and people will regret. I think they'll have a lot, I think they'll have a lot of regrets at the end of this. Like, geez, I, I should have done that that project I had, or that passion thing that I wanted to pursue, I, there was a window of six weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was for the person, and I did none of it. Yeah. But, geez, I watched a lot of Netflix series. Yeah. I think there's going to be some regret. Yeah. yeah. So I think, um, you know, for me, even if I didn't run a business, you know, and people, you know, people sometimes ask me, friends and things like that, who I used to work with as an employee and now a business owner, and there'd be people out there that are employed at the moment that aren't working. But I still think it's the same. For me, I'm like, it's still the same. Like, you should be working on... Yeah on you like and I think even now having ran a business if I went back to being an employee anywhere not that I have any intention to or want to I think I'd be way better employee now because I can see things from the other side and yeah. understand the correlation between my business getting better when I got better mm -hmm. but even as an employee I think it's the same like if you wanted to get that pay rise or you wanted to get that extra position like now was probably the time to take that online course and absolutely come back to your employer more skilled stay employed yeah it, I, I'm like one if, if I'm employed everything is value oriented so it's just like how do I be the most valuable person in the business here? Like I need to be, if they're going to let people go, I'm going to be last. Yeah. And then if I need to get rehired somewhere, I'm going to be first. I, like I'm thinking about both those two things and they're both just value metrics. How valuable you are to the current business and then how valuable are you to the broader market if you had to go and be a job seeker again? Um, I think employees more so than business owners should be thinking this way. You know, you're missing the trip if you're not, right? You're like, it's massively naive. And once again, I think, I think, I, I think there's been a naivety that, 
employees have gone, but isn't the government taking care of business? So therefore, why would my job be threatened? Uh, and that's a misunderstanding of the stimulus package. Um, and one, does the business qualify? Two, what does it really mean? You know, the cash flow booster for, for a business, for, if you use my business, for example, I'm like, well, great, thank you. I appreciate that uh, government. You know, that'll help me for seven days. Uh, to to pay some bills, it doesn't ha- it doesn't help me navigate corona- you know yeah. the whole COVID well, shutdown right. So it was, it was funny. I gave my guys a I don't know whether I should do this and not every, it's not recommended for every business owner, but I, <coughs> I pulled out the P and L report yeah. <laughs> to my core people and said this was last month. You know um, yeah. we did well. That the, the activities we're doing generated a small amount of revenue with some other stuff that we were able to pick up in terms of work for a small team there. But I yep. said this is the, the big picture, guys, and this is what here's the loss. Yeah, yeah. Here's the loss last month. So. Uh, I did that with my partner. It's a very nice. It's <laughs> a very nice car that we gave away. <laughs> Correct. So, yeah. so, so, what about for those those employee employees, yeah, the businesses out there, um, or even sometimes other business owners? Like, what do you think? Is there a misconception or a myth associated with you getting to run a business or you choosing to run a business that you wish you could dispel? Yeah, change or, or shed some light on. How long is your podcast? Going to be for? <laughs> I'll give you like, uh, the first two. Can I give you two? I'll give you two. First yeah. two that come to mind. Uh, first one is is follow your follow your passion. Yeah. I think that sets people up one to fail in business because what you're saying selfishly is you're saying because I'm passionate about this, the market should reward it, and that's not how you go and start a business. You know, business is built on the one simple fundamental structure of solve a problem for a profit. And there's a very basic question you can ask yourself: You know, am I solving a problem? Would people pay for this solution? Would they pay? me for this solution and would they pay me first and those questions you know would they pay me first means where do you sit in the marketplace um would they um would they pay me would do they trust me um, would they pay for it or is the answer valuable enough that they'll actually exchange cash for it right because some answers aren't worth money you know appreciate that mate thanks it's but the the the, the, one, the problem's either not big enough or the solution isn't good enough to warrant a fair exchange of, of money, right? So if, I'm, if I was to try and set up a business, I'm just listening for problems. I'm, not, I'm avoiding my passion. Now, one day I think you can follow your passion when you've earned the right to potentially not have to make money for it. And I think when you go into business, especially for the first time, I think this is my, my, the myth for business is if you want to get into business, go follow your passion. And there's quotes like, follow a passion, never work a day in your life. Great quote, if you don't need to make a dollar. You know where you're. You just have this joy of working, but I don't think you should be following your passion if whatever it is that you're following your passion with also has to pay your bills, because the risk is it doesn't, and then you continue to do it, but you start to attach this resentment towards your passion because the market's not rewarding you for it. So what ends up happening is I get hurt financially, I get hurt confidence-wise, and I get hurt joy-wise because I end up hating my passion. I resent the very thing which is meant to be not working a day in my life. So what I'll tell people to do is instead solve a problem, like go hit your lifestyle goals, then go start to pursue your passion goals. But do it once, every, do it once, if you could do it for free, you would, yeah. you know? Um, you know, I've got a passion project of mine at the moment, but if I don't get paid for it, like, well, I'll survive. Like I, I have other income streams. I mean, it doesn't need to be my core income stream or, or it doesn't need to be an income stream. Now I'm gonna set it up as an income stream because I believe I'm solving a problem. I believe that the solutions that I have are worth a fair exchange of money. I believe that people will pay me. I, I have the feedback that tells me that. And I feel like I, where I could sit in the marketplace is quite high. So therefore that tells me it's a business. But I think the misconception is, oh, you love art, set up a gallery. Being good at art and being good at selling art, running a gallery are two very different things. So there's a risk that you're not adequate skill set wise to solve the problems of people looking for art um, and to do it successfully. So that's one myth. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, just for the audience members, I'm not saying don't do the things that you love. I'm saying earn the right to do the things that you love because you love them, not because you expect the market to pay you just because you love something. It's a very naive and selfish look at the market and the way it operates. And I think that naivety gets people hurt. Second myth would be that you can't have both, that you can't have business and family, that you can't have money and happiness or, or be an entrepreneur and be healthy. I think that broadly it is accepted that we're playing a you know kind of this 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 nil sum game of either or like you either do this or you do that but you can't have both and and that was this thing that was drummed into me by the villains that appeared in my own career as i was you know three or four years into my business and then started my family as a young guy and people literally saying so what are you gonna do you're gonna shut down your business like you can't have both man like you can't do both like you travel so much like how are you gonna pull that off and 
just this, this, this mass belief that you have to pick, you know. And I think and, and it's sad, it's sad that, that women in particular have bought into that, that, that I'm not allowed to pursue business because I, I want to be a parent or I want to be a mom or whatever it is. And um, I think that's because people assume that to be a business owner, you also have to be a business operator. And they're two completely different things, but there's a misconception around that as well. You know, so I think if you structure things correct, you can absolutely have both. The problem is most people don't have the correct structures to free them up for that. Yeah. And would you say that the evidence out there for most people, whether they're a business owner or an employee, they maybe look at the boss and go, wow, that person is the operator. That's what business ownership looks like. That's the only evidence they see. Yeah, I'd say 90% of business owners aren't business owners. Most have a job, but that's also why most fail because what they signed themselves up for when they got into business doesn't come to fruition, which means they end up running a poor business, which means they end up closing down that business or it's not, it's, uh, it's one, it's not financially successful or even if it is, the risk and stress and responsibility which goes with them generating the wage they're able to pull from the business, they'd be better off just to go get a job. Um, but that's not because people shouldn't run businesses, it's that there's a lack of education around structuring a business as an owner. You know, I, I always tell people like the definition of a business for me is a, a business is a leveraged money system it's a separate entity to you. You know, just something that you own is not necessarily something that you run. And I, I use the example of, you know, like look at Airbnb, you can own the house, but it doesn't mean you operate it. You can outsource the management to someone like Airbnb. You can outsource the marketing of it. You can outsource the cleaning. You can outsource it. You don't have to actually run that thing. That's a money system. You know, I, I used the analogy the other day of, um, I've got a septic tank. You know, I live on property, so we have septic tanks. I own the septic tank. It cost me a lot of money to put it in. But I don't operate it. I don't clean it, service it. I wouldn't fix it if it got broken. I don't even check on the thing. You know, I don't even know where all the stuff goes. Uh, I own it. I bought it. I pay for it. Yeah. I'm never going to operate that thing. I don't want to learn anything about septic tanks or septic systems, you know. Um, but I am the owner, right? So the misconception people have is I own it, therefore I have to work in it. I'm like, no, no, no. That's not owning. That's operating. You know, the real goal of an entrepreneur is is to be the conductor of the band, not to play the instruments. Yeah. And if you go and look at most business owners, not only are they playing an instrument, they're normally playing four or five. Yeah. They are the admin, they do the payroll, they, they run the sales meetings, they, they, they speak to customers, you know, they, they service customer service complaints and they're just buried in their business. So, you know, I define entrepreneurship as uh, what the role of the entrepreneur is, is to think of something, create it, as in conceptualize it, uh, systemize it and delegate it. And the rule of thumb is, in my life, get paid for thinking of something and pay somebody else to do it. So what I've done is I've attached my wealth plan to my ability to think, not my ability to do. And this is a really important concept for everyone to hear because if you've got a goal to increase your wealth, you need to attach your wealth creation to something which will increase, not something which will decrease. Now, if your physicality decreases over time because you get older and you have illness and ailment and whatnot, how much you can do declines, but you've told yourself you want your wealth to increase. So you want wealth to go up, but doing declines. Whereas I go, okay, well, what will increase over time? Wisdom, problem-solving ability, knowledge, know-how. You know, all my mental capacity and clarity will increase. So I want to attach my wealth to thinking, not to doing, because I can think forever, which means I can create as many money systems as I can think of, hundreds, thousands. I, make my, I might make less in the short term, but that's fine. Like maybe have a job and create a money system on the side and create another money system, another money system, another money system and don't get so egotistically attached to it. You'll be a way more successful business owner and one day you'll be able to leverage yourself out of the job and then you manage your money systems. You don't work in the money systems. You manage the money systems. You might have one really good one. You might have 10 or, or, or 15, you know. And that people say, how the hell do you have a family? Three kids and how do you stay healthy and you go to the gym and how do you travel and... Um, how do you own all these different companies and all in completely different industries? Like it doesn't make sense how they're even connected. I go, and, and they said, you know, we thought being successful meant just do one thing. I said, I do just do one thing. I create money systems. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. I don't do any of the things that you think I do. You know, I don't run things the way that people assume that I do. And, and so that's how you'd be a business owner, not be a business operator. And, and there's not enough evidence of that. Yeah. Instead, what's been sold for the last 10 years, especially on social media and whatnot, is you want to be successful? hustle grind work 80 hours a week if you're not willing to do that you're probably not cut out for it anyway you don't care enough about your goals so that's easier to sell to people um than to show them structurally how to get things right in the first place yeah which ties into obviously something that you've mentioned already you're talking about this concept that people can't have both yeah you know you've launched 
what you mentioned something just just now, which is um, providing some more, I guess, insight and education to what you've done since that moment. That you said you had, you know, you had money in the bank but no memories. Yeah, Can you share a little bit more. Yeah, ab- about that. Sure. Yeah. So 2017, 2018, yeah, was the realization of my second goal, the internal goal, which is what I now call the core four, which was. You know, I needed to go and find a way to be successful beyond the boardroom, you know, beyond business and beyond the bank account. And uh, I segmented my life out into four things, which is uh, I, uh, we, us, and it. And, and I was, I wanted to start with I as in like, what does a successful Dan look like? Forget about every bank, forget, forget about everything else. Like just, you know, um, success was explained to me as being successful can be summed up in how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. I didn't feel very successful by myself. I felt successful in front of people when people were clapping and cheering, but on my own, I didn't, I didn't feel healthy. I didn't feel fulfilled. I, I felt pretty poorly. And so my mum used to say to me, there's only one person in your entire life you can't run away from. You can run away from everything and everybody else, but you can't escape yourself. So do everything you possibly can to make yourself happy. And so I went and I started with that. And I was like, if I could be a successful self and I could just be selfish around that and get myself right, I could probably contribute towards a better relationship. And if I had a better relationship you know, geez, would be better parents and would have a better, so I'd have a better we and then I'd have a better us, so I'd have a better family structure. And what I need to do is I need to create a business which will feed those three things. What I'd done for the previous 10 years was I started a business at the expense of those three things. And now I was like, this is another problem to be solved. How do I get those three things right and then go, where does my business fit in to feed this? And so I restructured, I had a year of obsession about this, restructuring my own company. Um, and I was just convinced that, I had to solve the problem of having both and all the things I just explained was the opposite of what I was doing and so I spent a year going and and doing that and then people started asking me how have I done that Um, and you know uh, could you do it for me and I started getting more and more questions and then I realized that was a big problem and the big problem was that um, most business owners uh, one aren't owners that are operators but most business owners are pursuing their personal ambitions at the expense of the relationships um, that they that are most important to them, yeah. you know. And the divorce rate of entrepreneurs is seventy percent. So as I started to dig into this thing, I started to find these stats that back it up that this was not just my own problem. And so this became my passion project. And I tell everyone that a passion project should be find something which concerns you. This deeply concerned me because it had impacted my own life. Like I, I just I just knew how bad of a mental space I got into. Um, I could see it in the questions I was getting asked from other people. The stats told me that it was a huge concern. And I went looking for a cause, you know, find something that concerns you, which feeds into a cause that you can have an effect on. That's the rule of thumb for following your passion. I found something that concerned me, but there was no cause. So I created one. So um, my passion project is a, is a movement called You Can Have Both. And so, yeah, you're right. I've been working pretty hard in the background to set up an online community of education, inspiration, and accountability for business owners who are also balancing their families or entrepreneurs who want to have a family one day, but right now feel like that's impossible where I walk them through, um, you know, the mentality of having both, the business structures that you need in place in order to be an owner, not an operator, um, how, to, how to have rules in your life at, at home, and how to essentially I take people through uh, monthly information on how they can have both and how they can win in those core four. So having a both is a metaphor for have everything, yeah. which I think is possible. So but it takes me, I, I go back to 2018, I go, you know, I was operating in the same building that you were operating in at that time, yeah. right? So... When you brought this idea up, this, you know, I'm going to, you know, systemize things and get paid for thinking, not for doing, and there must have been some pushback from other people. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And Which I mean, was affirmation, though. Yeah. That, that it is a problem or? Uh, it was, it, yeah, well, I just, I, I knew there wasn't enough people doing it. Yeah. You know, if you get this mass pushback on your idea, you, you're, you're creating enough noise to make you think that there's something worth pursuing here. Do you know what I mean? It's. You know, if, you, if you've ever, for example, uh, tried to hide something from somebody and, you know, and, 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 you'll, and, and you keep looking where you don't want them to look, like yeah. geez, they, they're going to find it, they're going to find it. That's kind of how I felt. It was almost yeah. like this, this mass market of self-development or business coaches or people around me didn't want me to figure this out. No defensive. Well, yeah, because, I mean, if, I, if you figure this out and you give it to everybody, yeah. it probably destroys a bunch of other markets. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I was really big on, like, I was just trying to solve my own problem. I, wasn't, I, don't, I, I never had an ambition to go and be a guru yeah. or whatever. It's one of the things I first tell people is I'm not a full-time business coach. I'm a business owner yeah. and I'm a parent and I have to figure out how to have both. I'm going to share some stuff with you, but you can have peace of mind that 
my core thing is I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a parent. Yeah. So anything that I'm telling you is relevant today. It's up to date. Yeah. And if it changes, I'll, I'll update it for yeah. you. Um, yeah, I think people were afraid, mate. People are afraid of me uh, figuring something out, leveraging myself out of different things, that that would have an impact on them. Um, and that, that, that there, was a, there was a new way. But I think that's just trends, isn't it? It's yeah. early adoption. It's, it's trending and acceptance and then yeah. it's late adoption. Um, and I think we've had a 10-year period now where the mass acceptance and trending has been hustle, grind, yeah. work your face off and, and all these things, which has been driven heavily by big influences in the marketplace. Uh, and I think that's slowly shifting now to define success for yourself, yeah. work out what that looks like and, and, and go on this journey of discovery and f- working that out for yourself. Yeah. Okay. And there's, been a, there's been now been a... That, that concept that you talk about, there's now obviously been a business built off the back of it. Yeah. So anyone that's going to be watching these, um, there's a bit of a plug in behind you for a, for, yes, a, for, a, yeah. for a business that kind of came off this concept, right? Which yeah. I've only newly been introduced to, but yep. um, we're here in the office at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So this, so. yeah this is the, the hippo office. So at, at the peak of that breaking point, I, uh, you know, after a series of meltdowns, I sat at my desk one day with a friend and I said I was going to walk away from business. I was going to get out of business. And that person asked me, uh, basically, what would it take for you to stay? And I had a glass table in front of me and I wrote seven things on the glass table in front of me. And I said, if I just had to do these seven things every day or every week, I could be in business for life. I'd be in business forever, 100 years. You know, like, if that's what I had to do, I'd, and, and, you know, th- I'd love that. And she said to me, well, why those things? And I said, they're the things that only I can do or they're the things that I can't not do. You know, when I do, I, like, I want to do them. Right? They light me up, they spark joy, um, they move the needle in my business, I feel just motivated, those seven things. Man, I love those things. And she said, well, your business has so many other tasks for you to do. And she starts naming these other things. She goes, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I said, yeah, yeah, they, I draw a circle around the seven things. And I said, yeah, they, they kind of sit out here. Like, listen, I, d- I don't mind those things. I just don't want them to be on my to-do list. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm a bit dispassionate about them. I'm happy to step in every now and then. If there's someone else's and they're sick and I had to do it, I, I could do that, but I don't, I don't want it to be my responsibility. Like that, yeah. you know, no, not for me. And she goes, okay. And she starts naming other things. I draw another circle and she starts naming all these other things. And I'm literally cringing and she's, t- I'm like crumpling <laughs> in my, I'm like, oh man, like it hurts me to hear. I'm like, yeah. that's, that's why I'm walking away. Those things that you're talking about is why I'm walking away. Repetitive, mundane, administration heavy, compliance heavy. They're all the things I promised myself I'd never do. I feel like it's all I ever do. And um, I write them down. I write down some of the, the examples, and I draw this big circle around it. I said they're the time-wasting negative things, you know. And I step back and I, I look at it's almost like a dartboard. These three rings on my glass table with these things written in them. And I have this like epiphany, and I just start writing more stuff. I start writing my entire week and month and quarterly tasks in one of these three circles. And uh, and I said I think I figured out how to run my business. And she said what? And I wrote ninety percent in the middle. I said, I'm going to find a way to spend 90% of my time here. I'm going to be willing to spend 10% of my time in the middle circle. Yeah. And I'm going to find a way to either remove, delegate, outsource, or automate everything in this last circle. I'm going to give myself 12 months. I've got 12 months left in business yeah. to get rid of the outer ring. And if I do that, I'll stay in business. And if I fail at that, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to walk away. <laughs> and, uh, and this person's like, what? You know, you can't do that. I'm like, I'm gonna, it's, everything's a problem to be solved. I'm going to solve this problem. And so the middle bullseye, we now call the hippo bullseye. So yeah. I, I gave the, the, the bullseye a name, which is hippo, and which stands for happiness, influences, and profit-producing opportunities. And they're the two things that I think business owners should focus on. Yeah. Do it because it makes you happy or do it because it, it brings profit into your company. If it's not those two things, um, you, someone else should be doing that. That belongs on someone else's list. And yeah. so I did that, that and so I, I set up a... Um, I then started trying to outsource and, and find technologies and whatnot. And, uh, you know, after 12 months, I'd successfully um, got rid of all of that outer ring. And then I'd done so for my staff as well. It completely reshaped my company. And then people started asking me what the hell I'd done. I was much happier. I had much more time. And uh, I, I helped a few other people. And then I realized this is a huge problem to be solved. And I grabbed three of my mates who were experiencing the same thing. We successfully did this for their businesses. And we set up, a, we, we commercialized the company Hippo. Yeah. And Hippo, in effect, uh, s- captures the systems within a business so that they can outsource their tasks that were done internally uh, offshore. So we have a company set up in the Philippines and then they can repurpose their time and money into scaling those companies. Yeah. So what ends up happening is they can fire themselves, scale their business, and they do it at a fraction of the cost that they think they can. And so our slogan is to help 
uh, 10,000 business owners uh, make uh, basically uh, um, do more of what they love and make more along the way. So, yeah, our goal is to help, help entrepreneurs be happier. That's our, our goal, yeah. It's exciting, mate. It's exciting. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, I'm the next ambassador. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> Caitlin's listening. She's like, "Does that mean Michael's going to be home?" More? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't told any of the wives. We yeah. hang out at the pub instead. <laughs> so, no worries, mate. Well, um, and, and just aside from that, like at the moment, obviously with everything happening and things have things have changed, and we've talked about, you know, um, you mentioned making sure that your heartbeat stays strong and, you, and you're ready to pick things up when things do do turn around, and, and keeping yourself productive and working on yourself. How are you? How are you measuring success at the moment for yourself, and how do you think? people should measure it because i know lots of people probably focusing on the wrong things at the moment yeah, yeah. bank accounts etc um what would your advice be to anyone out there who yeah the whole the whole heartbeat concept is like you just got to keep rem- reminding yourself that that uh no one builds or breaks your business faster than you yeah. so your bank account's going to go up and down forever anyway you know coronavirus aside there's going to be other challenges in the future there's been other challenges in the past challenges aren't new and, and change isn't new um, so eventually you're going to have to be good enough to overcome a challenge. So for, for me, my heartbeat, I, so I measure things in triggers and indicators. Indicators are the things that I've learned about myself over 10 years uh, that tell me I'm off. And everybody has a, a different list of indicators, but I think that any entrepreneur should document their indicators. And I use the example of, uh, you know, if you've got a peanut, uh, if, you've got a, if you've got a peanut allergy, yeah, there will be certain things that happen in your body which are indicators that you've potentially now eaten something that you didn't know that has peanuts in it. You see people do this all the time with allergy. Does this have peanuts in it? You know, yeah. does this have this, you know, does this have dairy in it? I'm yeah, feeling sick. I've got 10 seconds. Yeah, correct, right? Um, so you look for indicators to know you're off as an entrepreneur. Yeah. I, an example for me is an indicator is that I hit snooze on my alarm. That's an indicator that I'm feeling unmotivated, I'm lethargic, I have no desire, I've not been looking at my goals, so I'm starting to hit snooze. So on the back of an indicator, then you create a rule. Yeah. And so the rule for me is when I notice the indicator, so the alarm's going off and I'm hitting snooze, so that triggers this indication for me that I'm off, I have a rule. My rule is I move my phone where it's out of reach of the bed, which means I have to get out of bed to turn it off. But that's only enough to keep me up. So there's a rule rather than relying on motivation. Triggers are knowing the things that trigger the indicators, and so if, once again, if you're if you've got an allergy, you know the things that trigger that. You know, so you've got to find a way to avoid your triggers. But if you happen to hit one, know your indicators, so you can create these rules to avoid triggers or these rules to mitigate the risk when you see an indicator to make sure that you don't go you don't go flatlining, right? So. I, I, f- I focus a lot on that lately and I have some little systems that I use, some little um, documentation tools that I use for myself to be self-aware with that. Um, so that's one thing to, to measure my heartbeat. And then project list, I, I mentioned earlier, is just how many things I tick off in this time. You know, I, I, you've seen me, I've gone very hard at getting this passion project off the ground. And if it hadn't have been for coronavirus, maybe this thing never starts. You know, it was conceptual for a very long time. I put softly out some information but I've just gone so hard in the last five or six weeks where we've literally been, at a, you know, we're very close to launch in a full-blown education system for business owners um, who are parents. I probably would have never got the opportunity to do that, um, but it was on the list. So a measure of successful for, for me would be, did I set up a new money system? Did I tick off some project lists? Uh, how was my heartbeat? Did I double down in some of the areas I was lacking in previous? You know, is a relationship better? Did I reconnect with someone from my past? Um, all those types of things. Yeah, project listen heartbeat. Yeah, the podcast is exactly the same. It's conceptual, you know. Um, yeah. As soon as I announced that it was going to happen, I had a friend comment and go, "Mate, this was like Fiji last year. We're at a wedding and had too few too many Long Islands, and you were telling me about this." And I was like, "I don't remember that, but <laughs> 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 it was in there." So I don't think anyone uh, people have never had more permission than what we've got right now to just to go full blown into whatever it is that you that you want to do. So a permission and lack of judgment. Yeah, I think I think because everybody is is in the market for side hustles right yeah. now there's far less judgment you know it's you know if you're ever waiting for the masses to do what you wanted to do now now the masses are doing it now the masses won't be successful at it but you can start with the masses and then outlast uh like the you know like the minority yeah. right so get started with the majority because you feel less judgment and you can build some momentum and and then you're gonna eventually have to learn to back yourself as the tide falls away of everybody else and, and the world gets back to normal um, you need to move from majority to minority and, and become, um, you need to become the difference, you know? Yeah. So I think that's why it took uh, 
so long for the mics to arrive. <laughs> Everyone started the podcast. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Every footy so, player, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of them, right? But you know, but you know, listen. If mic'd up with Mike is still going in twelve months, two years, it'd be incredibly successful. Got no yeah. doubt. You're a very successful person. People want to hear from you. If if mic'd with Mike stops in three months, you know that it was done with masses and stops with masses. So start with the mass and continue with the minority. I've uh, I've read that Seth Godin, you know, the marketing guru, yeah, um, always says yes to any podcast as long as they've done a hundred episodes. So. Is that what your goal? Yeah, <laughs> knock out 100, we'll get the Seth Godin on. That's good. I didn't know that. Yeah. I might start a podcast. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, apparently he says yes to any podcast with at least 100 episodes. So, wow. Um, I'm sure we'll have you back on anyway, mate. I'm sure the uh, listeners out there have enjoyed the chat and insights. Awesome. Um, but if they want to find out a little bit more or hear a bit more from you, where do we where do we find? Yeah, I said the best place to follow me would just be on uh, my socials at the moment. So yeah. if you jump on Instagram, dancross com.au that's your handle Dan Cross. that's my handle yep. it's also the website if you want to go to the website for find out more information about the movement yep. that uh that we're launching uh go to that website and uh we'll be able to send you more information so very excited by that so uh, spread the word thanks very much mate before uh before you go though man i've actually got a gift for you oh yeah so um with all the technical issues and you're very good with it mate you said i'm glad i was i was with you for number one when uh, we had the mistake with the mics <laughs> and the, the iphone dying um so i messaged uh, megan last week and asked what is dan's head size she said which one <laughs> <laughs> so I've, uh, I've actually bought you a hat mate oh uh, awesome. I, hope it, I hope it fits yeah, yeah i'll just grab it for you man hold on what is it wait which head is it for <laughs> <laughs> What have we got? I know you're a, uh, I know you're a bit of a farmer, mate. You live on a farm, I so do. it's uh, it's not in a Cobra. Oh, mate! But I uh, put your hat, and she goes, she goes maybe medium, and I was like, I looked at it when I opened it, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure if that's gonna fit him. Should I? Can I go headphones off? You can go headphones off, mate. So here's Thanks everybody for tuning in to my chat with the one and only Daniel Cross. I'm sure you all enjoyed it as much as I did. Don't forget to check him out at danielcross.com.au across all social channels and his website as well. The next episodes will be out shortly. In the meantime, feel free to hit subscribe and please leave some comments below. Until then, be legendary. The trick I hold is the power of persistence. So in this instance, I can fall in an instant. I have my bloods in the head.